Philanthropy is all about giving to causes that matter to you the most, and by doing so, making a difference in the lives of others. But is this an activity that is reserved just for the super wealthy? Or is it possible for the average person to become a philanthropist? What cause tugs at your heart that you wish you could provide funding for? Is there a way, right now, to live your dream with purpose? These are the glaring questions this podcast will explore as we meet everyday people who are stepping up to begin living their philanthropic lifestyle. We'll hear about their cause, why it's important to them, as well as their vision for the future. So let's get inspired, motivated, and learn how we can step into the dream of living our best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. My guest on today's show is Mr. David Winters. David has worked in the printing industry with companies like Nike, Tetronix, Intel, and more. He has been a stockbroker, a financial consultant, and marketing consultant. David has also worked in every level of the wine and hospitality industry. His vast and varied experiences allows him to be comfortable building rapport with everyone from the CEO to the janitorial staff. In the past few years, he has focused on all facets of the cryptocurrency world, mining, trading, earning, and education. David and his wife, Julie, just saw the last of their three children graduate from college, which has opened up a new phase in their life together. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. I appreciate it, Nancy. What was life like for you growing up as a young child? Life, you know, remember the, the Cleaver family? Yes. <laughs> Beaver, Cleaver, okay. Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> kind of, you know, yeah, kind of, kind of along those lines, really. Um, grew up in a neighborhood with uh, tons of kids in it. In fact, what what's, we used to joke about, still do, actually, there were, within about two block radius, there were seven Davids. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 so it was... It was always interesting when somebody's parent was calling and everybody answered. Um, But no, I grew up, you know, really naive times, honestly. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we were a a church-going family, Southern Baptist church-going family, uh, which meant, you know, Sundays, Sunday night, Wednesday, and whatever else was in there. Right. And, uh, so that was a, a focal part of our lives. And then, you know, the usual sports and whatnot as kids do as they grow up. And so did you have did, did you have siblings or were you an only child? No, I have an older brother and, and an older sister. So um, that was kind baby. of a mistake. <laughs> You're the oops baby. <laughs> yeah, it took a long time, but I finally got mom to admit it, you know. so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but a good mistake, you know. So um, so how many years between you and your closest sibling? Um, six years. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then yeah, that's my brother, and then my sister is eight years older. Okay. So who would you say had the biggest influence on you as a kid and why? Um, really, my, my dad, um, he, well, both my parents worked really hard. You know, they came from not very much. And uh, I, I got to spend the most time with him, probably, of all the kids. And, and I know I did because I got to work with him. Um, but just seeing him really do whatever he could for the family, um, 
making sacrifices, working long hours and, you know, but still having fun um, when, when there was time for it. Um, so really that's, that's kind of where I think I got my, my work ethic and my um, moral compass. Right. What kind of work did your dad do? Um, he was in the printing industry, actually. I worked with him. That's who I worked oh, with in okay. the printing industry. So um, I had about nine years of every day getting to know my my parent as a real person, <laughs> going to work and, you know, fighting and getting over it and getting along and, and just learning. So uh, I don't think, you know, not, people don't get that opportunity very often anymore. Now, did your dad own the printing business? He did. He worked his way up from, you know, starting as an apprentice and, and worked his way up to finally purchasing the business. And then uh, I did the same thing, went through the apprenticeship program, and ended up, you know, being being vice president of the company and getting out and doing all the sales to those big companies down in Portland and having fun. So... When you were a teenager, what did you want to do with your life? Um, I had no clue, to be quite honest. Um, I, I just kind of was floating along, <laughs> really. You know, I, I mean, again, it was just that time where things were, I think, a lot simpler. I think there was less pressure on kids Yeah. at yeah. that point. Um, you know, going to going to college was, was a thing, but it wasn't the thing. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't nearly as expensive. So let's say, let's say you were 15, 16 years old and you know, the relatives that come around once or twice a year and they ask that question that every kid dreads. So what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? Um, probably changed every time they asked me because <laughs> <laughs> I really, I did, I was directionless. I, I mean, I, I quite honestly, clueless. I, I just didn't have a clue, you know, yeah. school wasn't that exciting. I was okay at it, but it wasn't that exciting. Um, I guess one of the things I, I do like the sciences. So I always figured I would do something in that realm, but, um, I, I just didn't know what it was going to be. Okay. Well, based on your bio, you clearly experienced a lot of success in your life. Can you tell me about a time when you were really struggling? Um, yeah. Actually, when, when after Julie and I got married, we were actually married between our junior and senior year of, of college. Okay. And uh, we graduated, and actually we were going to work with her parents in the orchard industry. There, in in central Washington, you know, we grow apples here. Right. Um, apples, pears, cherries, all kinds of things, and they were apple farmers up north of here. And I actually, my degree is in horticulture, but with a, a business minor. And Julie's was really on the horticultural side. So we were kind of trying to cover the whole business aspect of being in farming. Right. And um, we moved up there and we worked with, alongside her parents for 
uh, six, seven, eight months. And uh, it was terrible, I'll be quite honest. <laughs> Would she agree with you? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and there were just issues between us and them. And, and you know, we were the, the the dumb kids that didn't know anything. And we thought we knew everything, of course. Uh, just being fresh out of college and all that kind of stuff and uh, personality issues and different things. And, and we were both kind of wondering what the heck are we doing? And uh, one day I came, you know, just being completely honest, I, I walked in and I said, you know what, we can't be here anymore. And Julie says, why? What, what? And I said, well, because somebody's probably going to die. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to be me. And so <laughs> we, we, you know, we decided that it was probably better not to be there. And it, it was a mutual thing, um, but it's tough. You know, I mean, that's tough that you've gone to school, you've done all these things and, and you, you think you've planned out what's going to happen. And, you know, so many things are not in our control. Yeah. And, and I think that was my first true lesson in that in that you just you know you control very little what really happens you control what you do so from there you went to work with your dad i yeah we did i we moved down to vancouver washington um yeah i called him up and we went they went down and talked and i had worked with him for a couple summers so i kind of knew the business it wasn't just coming in raw to that and um of course he welcomed us with open arms and um we made a great living down there we we did really well we were happy but we weren't where we wanted to be you know so again <laughs> a transition we we sold our house and quit our jobs and moved and <laughs> went on another adventure <laughs> another do over <laughs> yeah no kids you know so it was easy but um but yeah, that you know those those kind of struggles. I think they are. You know, it wasn't just a, a quick. Oh, okay, this isn't working out. Let's go do that. There was a lot of, wow. You know, what happens? Where do we go? What do we do? And a lot of soul searching and and um, just coming to the the realization that you know we, we have to put this this thing that we've been working on for a long time just has to go at least go on the back burner for a while. Yeah. While we move forward. That's interesting. So Julie worked alongside you in your dad's printing business. No, actually she, um, (laughs) she went to work for a a temp agency in Portland and she was, she was a small town girl. She'd never lived in the big city like that. And so um, she moved to a lot of different jobs, got exposed to a lot of different things, ended up with a title company that, and then ended up with another job and ended up working for Portland General Electric on the top floor of the, uh, the building right downtown, working for one of the vice presidents. Um, so she really moved through as well. And uh, it was great experience for her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what originally attracted you to the cryptocurrency world? Um, I, you know, I, I like 
trying to be on the, the front edge of things. I like technology. Um, having been a financial consultant, I realized that, you know, one of the things that gets preached constantly in, in the financial world is diversity and making sure you have exposure in different places. Now, of course, I wish I would have figured that out, you know, 11 years ago. Right. Uh, with cryptocurrency. Um, takes me a little bit longer sometimes to figure these things out. Um, but that that was really the thing was like, you know what, I need some exposure. I need to understand what this is. And um, so I started learning and I started aligning myself with people that had been in it for a while. Um, you know, finding good mentors who'd been successful. Um, and knowing that, wow, you know, this really could turn into something. Um, it's not like you have to put your whole life savings in there either. You know, the risk, the right. risk reward factor is is huge. That's interesting. So let's talk about your cause: changing lives, creating connections. Camas Meadows Bible Camp. Mm-hmm. What is Camas Meadows Bible Camp, and why is it important to you specifically? Well, it's this. It's actually only about a half an hour away from here. It's set here in the, the Cascade Mountains, right in the foothills. And it is a place where it's a non-denominational church camp. Um, camps all through the summer for kids, and there are adult camps as well throughout the year. Um, it's just this beautiful place where people can go and learn <laughs> yeah you do there you know there's there's cell service in about four spots up there if you know where <laughs> to go um but the whole idea is that you know you may get up in the morning and look out in the meadow and there's a bear or there's a bunch of elk and um it's a place where kids can just go and be themselves yeah takes the pressure off a lot of them are come from different areas so they don't know each other they don't have preconceived notions they don't know you know, who's rich, who's poor, who's this and that, and all those different kinds of things, they can all be on equal footing and um, learn, you know, be exposed to to God and the Bible and, and learn from people who I feel have great moral fiber <laughs> um, and are just around people who are going to love them no matter what. So the camp is primarily for kids during the summertime, but in the off season, they do like retreats for um, adults or. Yes. Yeah. Adults. There's, there's teen camps. They have, they have high school camps. They have grade school camps, you know, the different groups of kids. And then, yeah, uh, church groups will come in um, sometimes just groups that need a place to be away. Um, It's, it's off the grid. So you really are out in in the woods. So it's a retreat uh, experience. Yeah, exactly. You know, which and a lot of other things. Great hiking in the area. They do paintball. They do archery. You know, uh, they they build a big slip and slide every year, and all kinds of different things like that. Um, and so it's fun. You have a good time. You're worn out at the end of the day every day, um, but it is a time of, you know, it can be that quiet time. You get that, that solitude that you might be looking for or team building, whatever it is, 
but again, you know, exposure also it is it is a Christ based experience. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of kids who never have seen an eagle or anything like that live in the city and they come out and they get to see those kind of things and it's just it's it's awesome. It's so fun to see them be exposed to that, you know, the excitement. Yeah, and it kind of reemphasizes that they live in a beautiful world created by a wonderful creator. Exactly. Because exactly. you get to see his creation up close and personal. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And and there's no pressure for the kids. You know, I mean, it's, you're going to be exposed. It's, it, you know, there, there are classes you take and live different things, but it, it's not an indoctrination camp. <laughs> it's, it's an experience camp. Right. And, uh, I've seen for, for my sons, I have twin boys who are now 22 and um to see you know they've always been good kids but the first time they went up they never went to camp as campers why not uh it just never happened with with sports and summer theater and all the different kinds of things it it just never worked out yeah and uh, we know the people who run the camp and you know we've known them forever and and uh Daryl just said, "Hey, you know what? Your guys need to get up here and and let's let's have them be counselors in training because they were fourteen the first time they went there. Yeah, and uh, so they were counselors in training for about two days, and then they got immediately promoted to full counselors. Um, wow! Because there was a need was one thing, you know. Daryl and Daryl trusted them, and they did a great job, and uh, they spent most of the next." four summers up there and uh, they continue to go back just to visit to help um they do they do game con up there so they have they, they have gaming weekends wow. uh, people come from all different places and, and play uh, board games all weekend and they still you know there are also some devotional times in there and different things and so it's just a really cool place to be and, sounds like it yeah yeah just great people it's very laid back so do the do the kids sleep in tents or do they have cabins or They're, what kind of facilities cabins. do they have? Okay. Yeah, cabins, um, a big main area where the, the dining hall and general meeting area is. Um, everything's run off a generator, you know, because they're off the grid. Uh, we get a lot of snow up there. And so, you know, for me to, to support this, the support really doesn't come down to the individual people that that are there. It comes down to you know the buildings need to be repaired, and yeah. the, the generator needs to be fixed, and we need new paintball things, or we need, you know different things like that to keep that camp running. So, how much does this, just just the maintenance of the camp cost per year? You know, I I can't tell you. I don't know that number. Um, I just know that. Every time I talk to Daryl, he's like, yeah, you know, we need to work on this. There's always, There's always something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's endless. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, I don't know what that number is. Does he have any any ideas about expanding into maybe more cabins or more um, acreage? You know, 
Yeah, that not as far as acreage, no. The 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 piece of land has been owned by the same family for decades and decades. Uh, okay. Camp was formed in 1973, and it's they've they've built up from the original, of course. Um, at this point, I don't think there's a whole lot of expansion plan um, because it's just it's hard to find enough quality people to to run the camp week after week after week during the summer. Yeah, uh, because they're all volunteers, you know. I mean, except for the the few key people, and uh, so it's hard for um, kids that age to to not have a job these days. So, right. So, yeah. what amount of funding is your goal to be able to provide for this camp? Um, let's say in your first year, because you're in your first year now of your right. class. I, you know, I would love to even get to, you know, a thousand dollars a month. Okay. I think that's a realistic goal. I think it's one that is easily achievable. Um, but even that's going to make a huge difference for them. Right. So what do you envision your cost being able to accomplish in say three to five years? You know, I think we could, we could be, I, I don't know why we, we couldn't go $10,000 a month at that point. Right. Really. I mean, because I think there's just not enough opportunity for kids to get to places like this. Would an and expansion I, idea of your cause be to offer scholarship for kids that are un, underprivileged families? Or is there something already like that available? Um, there. There are some of those things out there right now, and I work with a couple other people that we we will do that. We sponsor a couple of kids every year, um, just local kids. Yeah. But yeah, it would be great to be able to reach out further and uh, to do that as well. So, David, out of all the possible places for funding available today, why did you choose Up to Give to fund your cause? Well. It's it's really a, a simple concept and really pretty painless, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, once once you get involved and you kind of get the ball rolling, it as long as you're doing your part, which is just bringing a few people in and, and helping your people, you know, stay on on task and and. They're, they're taking care of their people. Um, there, there's not a whole lot else to it. Um, once things start going, you, you know, the contributions come in, you can just funnel them right away and, to, to your cause. And it, it's, it's just the, probably the simplest and least expensive way to get involved with something like this. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I, mean, I, I call us the pit crew, you know, philanthropists in training. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's good, I like it. <laughs> um, what is your favorite part of Up to Give? Um, I, I think, you know, there's just, there's a tremendous amount of education available to us. Yeah. Um, through the meetings and the calls and the different things, but also 
with the the training institute that's out there. Yeah, uh, I, I I like the way that they're building their partnerships. Yes, um, me too. With the, the training, with Ulala, um, bringing banking to the the entire world, really. Yeah. Um, people that have never had that exposure before. So beyond my cause, beyond Camus Meadows Bible Camp, we look at it and go, wow, you know what? By participating in this, I can help some small business person in Africa get something that they need to make their business work. I don't know anything about it. I I won't ever meet them. I probably won't ever even know what happened. But I can know that somebody's being blessed. Right. You've had a part in it. Exactly. So the community as a whole, um, it's like a community of like-minded individuals that all have heartfelt causes that matter to them. Right. And because it matters to them, they matter to us in the community. Well put. Well put. It's... That is, we we want to find those people, you know, give access to those people who a lot of people want to do something. They want to help, but they don't know how. Right. And and if we can reach those people, I think they're just going to grab this opportunity and and be thankful that, wow, okay, finally, there's a way I can make a difference that isn't, I don't have to form my own nonprofit. I don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, I can just, it's almost like, pressing the easy button to be a philanthropic person. Exactly. Well, David, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here with me. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Um, I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> what, what I've done is, you know, this is one of the things that I do and, and really – all the groups that I align myself with are doing positive things for other people. It's, it's not just about the bottom line right? of, of cash. The bottom line is doing the right thing and helping people get further along. Um, and so, you know, I, I choose pretty carefully who I decide to align myself with and um, I think this is one of those good choices, and I'm really happy that I was exposed to that right from the very beginning. Right. Would you be willing to come back on the show in a few months and provide an update on how your cause is doing? Absolutely. Anytime. Awesome. Well, folks, if David has inspired you today and you'd like to either contribute any amount to his cause or maybe you'd like to start your very own cause, listen carefully when the music starts so you'll know exactly what to do. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were inspired by the content that was presented. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. For more information about anything on today's show, head on over to causetalkradio.com. Click on the podcast link where you'll find all the information covered on today's podcast, including links for easy navigation.